This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, welcome again. It's that time for the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Hello, Trevor. Thanks Good for joining evening, us, Eric. sir. Good evening, everyone. Hello, Ian from Montreal. How are you guys doing this evening? Excellente. Hanging in there. Yeah, nobody. Uh, Eric, you're you're sick like I am, right, still? <laughs> a little bit, a little under the weather. Uh, I have my uh, late age as J Volts. <laughs> I, I will say I am suffering very slight uh, separation anxiety. It's the first night my Model 3 is not home in my driveway tucked in. I saw that. You posted a tweet there. You're, um, you're, you went in for a windshield, re- no, not windshield, a rear, rear glass uh, replacement. Yeah, rear glass. Um, just quickly, it had the strangest defect. In, uh, there's two vertical lines that link all of the defrosters yeah. in the rear, and uh, just about dead center of uh, one side. It looks like something happened there. I don't know if it was a manufacturing defect or at some point that section of the line overheated, but it created a bubble between the two glass laminates. I've seen somebody else posted a picture today, and I think it was about the same. Same thing? Same, yeah, same ailment? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it wound up creating a stress crack in the glass. So they're like, no problem. We'll uh, we'll swap it out. So the $64,000 question is, do I get the full amber? Because I had one of those weird sort of middle of the production where only the right, very where they top got rid part. Of it? Yeah, so I don't know if the new one's going to have it or not. So we shall see. Well, we're all part of the same club because I had a windshield replacement last week. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> stress, stress crack. <laughs> it happens. Uh, they they agreed it was a stress crack, so they replaced it under warranty. Thank you, Tesla. Um, all as well. Uh, the car's not any cleaner, but hey, it is what it is. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, we have quite a number of things to talk about tonight. I think the first one we want to lead in with the show, of course, um, is Tesla is on a tear for European production cars. Um, they've registered, according to a Twitter account called Model 3 Vins, I highly recommend you follow them if that's your kind of thing. Uh, they have registered in excess of almost 55,000 Vins since January 1st on Model 3. So they're in full-on production for uh, the European market. Of course, um, there is a ship currently underway to go to Europe. It is supposed to be reaching the Panama Canal uh, somewhere around January 21st, I think it is. A second ship has pulled into San Francisco port. They should be loading in fairly shortly. Uh, the ship carries anywhere from five to 6,000 cars. The number is not 100%. I did put out a tweet a little earlier last week. Um, it was a bit of a double joke. It kind of went over people's heads. I said it was thousands and thousands of cars or several or tens of thousands. It was a, it was a joke, but I guess people yeah. <laughs> took no. it the wrong. It's hard to make a joke on Twitter and, 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 you know, and people to understand whether you're joking or not, but Hey, it is what it is. I uh, no, I I love the title Overlord. I thought that was fantastic. I immediately thought, man, we got to get our hands on some somebody over there. Must still have a couple of the old Higgins boats there, and we should paint a couple of Model Threes or just wrap them olive drab with invasion stripes and have them show up at the beach in Normandy. Drop the door, drive them out. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So uh, 
keep your eyes peeled on that. Model 3s are certainly heading over to Europe in uh, in grand function. Um, <clears throat> the one th- and, and I know that some people were probably going to call in or ask or on, on Twitter, what does that mean for my delivery in the U.S.? Um, just for clarification so people understand, typically at the start of a quarter, Tesla will shift production to European market uh, productions. Um, this is for SNX. Of course, it's showing to be the same thing for Model 3 because of the distances that they have to de- deliver the cars. So they will usually front end a lot of production for the European market at the start of a quarter so they can get those cars en route to the long distances. So they're delivered by the end of the quarter so they can count for a quarter um, uh, profits as they go. Oh, it looks like I lost my camera. Just give me a moment here. Hey, where'd you go? I'm back. Sorry about that. It just I'm I'm using a new setup with my SLR and battery situations. Anyway, so uh, yes, so once again they they tend to front load the front end of a quarter with uh, European deliveries or foreign um, uh, car deliveries or production, and then um, towards the end of the quarter uh, they will shift that production more to towards uh, U.S. and and Canadian production. So. Uh, for so, so for some of you who are maybe waiting for a Model 3 a VIN or delivery or something like that, um, you can probably expect that to happen more towards the end of the month or towards the um, uh, maybe sometime in February or something like that. Because right now, all hands on deck for uh, for Europe. So that that would hopefully explain some of the stuff that's going on. So it seems to be a common thing that pops up on Twitter sometimes. It's like, where's my car? Where's my car? Where are you? Oh, you're in California. Well, you'll be at the the end of a quarter it's just kind of things how how things work out so uh yeah it's it's getting crazy i think the vins are somewhere in the two hundred fifty thousand range or something like that it's getting crazy nice so, uh, yeah yeah the production is certainly uh is certainly hopping along so we'll keep an eye on some of that stuff I'll, like, like i said counting vins is not my thing but it, it is an interesting account to watch because one of the um one of the tweets came out and i'll just bring it up here so you guys can see this this was a tweet that the uh, that they put out on January 11th. Tesla registered 21,308 Model 3 VINs, 100% estimated to be dual motor, 73% estimated to be international. Highest VIN is 229,766. Of course, since then they've produced, uh, they've registered even more VINs. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy numbers. Pretty mm-hmm. crazy numbers. Uh, let's see here. Next little bit. On Model 3 information, Tesla offers a Model 3 as a prize for security researchers. Um, this comes uh, courtesy of, uh, of Engadget. I'm just going to bring it up here. Uh, so there's something called the Pwn to Own contest, and Tesla has made it uh, pretty clear in the past that they're very serious about security on their cars. And in this case, what they've decided to do at the uh, CanSec West conference in Vancouver is to actually offer up a Model 3 to a prize as a prize. So uh, Trend Micro announced that over a million dollars in cash prizes will be available to researchers at this year's contest. In addition, Tesla, the security company, um, is partnering with Microsoft and has VMware as a sponsor. So uh, this isn't Tesla's first foray into security around its vehicles. So, uh, yeah, all this means is that, uh, you know, compared to some maybe some other manufacturers who are not doing quite as much in terms of software, I like this idea because it just means that at the end of the day, uh, you know, it means better security. You know, in case you didn't know this, Tesla is using a variant of Linux, um, you know, with a lot of customizations and so on and so forth inside their cars to power their vehicles. So uh, the more people that are banging away on uh, at least some of the source code and the kernels and stuff like that just makes for a more secure system. Nothing is flawless, however. There are going to be bugs as we go. I'm actually very surprised at this point. To be all honest with you, having mm-hmm. seen Tesla operate this ways, I'm surprised that we haven't seen um, some kind of uh, software update go, uh, go out that's completely bricked the entire fleet. 
Um, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way possible because, of course, I don't <laughs> okay. want this to happen. But having been in the software business uh, for a long time and seeing the way things do things, even even Apple, for that matter, has sent out software updates that have bricked phones before. I'm surprised they haven't done this um, I'm surprised this hasn't happened to the Tesla fleet yet. It's not that they haven't put out things with bugs before. They have. But as far as a as an update uh, that goes out to the cars to completely brick the car, I, I've, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. Um, well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was talking to one of the technicians when I dropped the car off. And I, I mentioned kind of as an aside, they asked me, is everything else okay at the car? I said, the car's been incredible, except for the one little complaint I had was that I do get uh, sometimes the uh, the reboot on entry, you know, and this has been an ongoing thing with a right. bunch of Model 3s for a year now, and no one really seems to understand the pattern. Like, it, it's not necessarily the firmware. It doesn't seem tied to any one particular update, or we can't even seem to tie it to production period or whatever. It just seems to be a random occurrence, and no two owners experience it the same way. In my case, uh, if I don't wake the car up with the, uh, with the app, I'd say more than 50% of the time I come into the black screen and it takes 10 to 20 seconds to wake up. doesn't matter. You can drive off. It's hardly an inconvenience. It's just kind of weird. But I mentioned that to them and they're kind of like, yeah, it's like they're, they're, they're saying, you know, the, the updates tend to be very whack-a-mole. Like it'll solve a whole bunch of one problem and then it seems to precipitate other bugs. So yeah, I there's, a, there's a whole poll and a thread going on on the forum right now about this yeah. situation. It seems to affect... Uh, yeah, I've been in on it. It's uh, it's it's like I said, it's it's not clear. It doesn't seem to be the even the majority of the fleet, but those of us that are experiencing, it seems to happen pretty regularly. I've 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 had it happen to my Model X. Um, just for whatever reason, you just get in the car, and all of a sudden, you know, either the instrument cluster. Most times, it's the MCU, the main screen, mm -hmm. um, is completely blank, and I'm like, okay, I've had it happen when you're driving. Okay, fine, you reboot on my system. It takes anywhere from two to three minutes to boot up. It's quite a bit longer. Uh, Bluetooth and LTE always seems to be the last things to come on, <laughs> to come online. So, yeah. <laughs> same deal. Yeah, the only it's, thing is drivers, you know. No, I, exactly. The only thing that's been weird in the three, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen in the X. I, I haven't seen it reported. Is on two occasions, um, I've lost the audio. Like the audio portion hasn't booted at all, and that you can't solve even with a hard reboot inside the car. It's oh yes, yeah, so I've had no that sound. happen. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, doesn't matter if it's. Um, well, sometimes the Bluetooth goes out. I tend to stream from my phone mostly. I don't listen to a lot of internet radio and stuff. Um, Slacker goes down constantly. TuneIn goes in constantly. I mean, just it's just the media portion. I'm sorry. The media portion of the Tesla system seems to be the weakest point. Other than the web browser, of course, is useless. Um, they yes. still need a lot. They still need to do a lot of work on the media player. Um, it's been a constant refrain for years now, and they still haven't fixed all the issues. It's just a common thing. Uh, I wish they would fix it finally and make a better uh, media player, but it's it's. I don't, you know. I don't. I don't find the media player in the three that bad. Eric, how has yours been? I um. I know a lot of people have complained on SNX that they lose the media player. That's a rare occurrence for me. How's yours? Uh, so far, it's been pretty good. I mean, there are some rare occasions where the Bluetooth might not correct uh, connect correctly, okay. uh, but for the most part, I mean, I've had great experiences with my audio system. Hmm. Yeah, same here. It's yeah. it's like I said, it's only twice that the audio cuts completely. And the weirdest thing is, and I didn't even know this until it happened the first time, but the turn signal, the sound, the click, 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 that's not a mechanical relay. It's actually just this fake 
turn it, it is down. there's times where it'll go out yeah well that's it because if you have no audio you don't have any of that so you're driving around I've, in complete I've, silence yeah. it's like a scene out of 2001 yeah there's times i put the blinker on and it's like the first click won't happen sometimes you don't get all three and it just seems to be random most of the time it works but the odd time it's just like okay is it clicking yeah. <laughs> all right moving on here um the next little one here um Tesla's Elon Musk, this comes uh, courtesy of Tesla Rati here, uh, was hailed by as disruptor of the year in Detroit. Uh, this is crazy, coming from Detroit of all things. Um, Tesla might not be a participant in the uh, North American International Auto Show on Monday, but Elon Musk's presence could still be fent, uh, felt at the event. Uh, yeah, he beat out a bunch of other CEOs such as McLaren's uh, uh, Automotive and Bird, an electric uh, scooter share startup. Um yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Is it is it is it is it Detroit that's finally waking up to this fact, or is it just a shift in the automotive business? Is it reporters? Like, I don't know what's going on here. It's just like the whole world's topsy turvy now, as far as this is I, concerned. I sort of think of it more as uh, consumer pressure than anything else. Ah, that's, that's a good really way to put it. it. Um, you know, we know we know there's obviously the media side of it, which there's enough coverage now. We're seeing more and more frontline news coverage of climate change and how we are impacting the environment. Uh, we're seeing more uh, conversations about how businesses are going to more conservative approaches. We're seeing restaurants, for example, something as simple as removing straws from a restaurant. Yeah, I've seen um, that. You know, there's there's all these various movements of various scales, but I think consumers sort of dictate how businesses should respond. And I think the the driving demand for Model 3 over the last year and a half or so has finally awoken the demons from these other companies to go, oh no, there actually is a demand there. And they're understanding that if we're going to stay competitive, and for them it may just be more of a business decision than anything else, which as far as the consumer is concerned, great, that's good for us. Because you want to have multiple options for electric vehicles. Maybe you are someone who says, listen, I drive a lot of mileage all every year. I'd rather not spend that on gas. I'll gladly spend a few thousand dollars more for an electric car and never have to pay for gas again. So there's a number of different contingent factors, but I think the overall theme is that it is consumer driven. These are people who are saying we're content buying a different brand because that's right now what we want. We want to go electric. If you're not going to have the product, then we're going to go elsewhere. And so that's sort of getting them on. And I think the technology evolution too has been a part of it, but I think it's more consumers than anything else. Yeah, the other thing, too, that's not on our list to talk about, but it just sort of uh, came out here, uh, was that Ford finally uh, let the cat out of the bag that they are indeed, of course, working on an electric version of an F-150. Yeah. So, of course, they don't want to be outdone by the Rivians and the Teslas now. They finally realize that the writing's on the wall, that they have to electrify their bread and butter. So, yeah. uh, And, of course, they've been talking a little bit more about their electrification plans. Not too much, but they're just kind of saying, yeah, we've got something, we've got something. So again, they're, we won't see the real product of those, uh, you know, the results of those products probably for at least another year. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, what is it? Uh, GM even said too that uh, they're they're starting to move that ways too. Again, oh, a lot of it yeah. is still still empty promises because we still haven't actually seen the products. I mean, GM did put out. Um, uh, I think we talked about it last week, or no, I tweeted it earlier this week. Uh, you know that 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 rendering of that that new Cadillac SUV that they're working on. Of course, surprise, surprise, no no door handles. So, 
Well, you know, gonna... GM came came out this week, Trev, uh, at Detroit, and said, "Well, we're actually going to skip the entire plug-in hybrid." Say, you know, we're all mourning the loss of the Volt, which was a great vehicle, and there was supposed to be a crossover replacement for it. And they've come out and said, "Nope, we're going." full electric so uh, again you want to talk about them feeling the disruption they've obviously in the last 12 months changed a lot of their product plans well they I even mean, said i think what was it was it the um one of the engineers even said that they're they're studying tesla religiously oh so they're think? really paying <laughs> really paying attention to these guys yeah yeah no no no. clearly they're 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 betting they're betting the entire cadillac farm on this i mean they've came out and said literally that the, they see the the electric Cadillac as the future of the brand because that's a brand that's been struggling and uh, that that's where they want to take it that that's you know they all want to go head to head with Tesla with Cadillac which I think mm-hmm. is the right move I mean you know I, I if I was them I'd do the same thing but you better come out fighting with some good product <laughs> well I have a friend of mine who is uh, fairly well to do and um, he uh, he does not like Tesla <laughs> And uh, he's uh, if he had money in Tesla's situation, he'd be shorter. And he certainly likes to uh, remind me that Tesla almost went bankrupt a number of times. Every time I see him, he's a really nice guy otherwise. Um, and I think he just missed the boat because he ordered himself. I mean, he's a Cadillac guy, and he just ordered himself the new Lincoln, whatever the new Navigator thing is, the top line thing. And he says, I'm not going to get this car for nine months. And here you are complaining to me that it took uh, two years to get mm-hmm. <laughs> a Model 3 or several months, and he's waiting yeah. at least nine months for this thing. Uh, so, you know, gas guzzlers are here, you know? I do I do often wonder, though, that for the people who try to stipulate that Tesla has sort of, you know, been on, on the edge of its deathbed a number of times, I wonder how many companies nowadays that still exist that at some point had the similar situation where whether it's financial uh, strength or whatever it might be, but for whatever reason, they were at the precipice of not being in existence anymore, but that these companies are now thriving, doing well. They have avid shoppers, whatever it might be, but they're not I'll, talked about in that way anymore. I'll give you two names, General Motors and Chrysler. Mm-hmm. They were dead. Yeah. If it wasn't for the U.S. government, they'd be gone. Yeah. Uh, only 10 years ago. I mean, I, I can't yeah, – how could we come up with two more topical examples? There's, there's well, no I think – th- I think to that argument, uh, I sort of understand where you're coming from. I think that people looked at Tesla in its infancy and saw that it was basically almost never coming to really be where it is today. Um, imagine General Motors being 10 years old and almost running out of money. That's that's sort of the I mean, you're right. I mean, those are companies that had been in existence for decades and were at the brink of collapse. And so the federal government stepped in and basically gave them a loan um, on the backs of taxpayers. I'm, I'm arguing from their infancy, from from the very beginning, okay. that these uh, like imagine if Chick Fil A five years in was like, I'm not sure we're going to do this, and, you know. Of course, now <laughs> yeah. they're one of the large, you know. What I mean, like it just that it's you you think in hindsight that's an asinine thing to say, yeah. but because of how dominant the news coverage is nowadays, it's just getting an unfair amount of it. But I always argue. Sometimes you say that any news is good news as long as Tesla continues to be in part of the conversation. They're going to continue to be in the mainstream, it's only good for the brand because it's just continuing to thrive and it proves the naysayers <laughs> wrong. Now, yes, it's been close before to not working, but for, you know, we, there's a lot of smart people there. They're, they're doing their part to keep it going. And, and so far it's working out. We've only had the most profitable quarters in the company's history the last six months. I mean, come on. Well, uh, I will say this, and I have to agree with, uh, what Kim says in her last video. If you don't watch, uh, like, uh, the like Tesla channel, you should, um, it, Tesla, 
you know, is successful in a lot of ways despite themselves. And the biggest challenge that they have right now is customer service. And it's extremely frustrating. I mean, we run the forum, we see what's going on. I'm fielding questions online. Uh, I get private messages all the time, you know, Tesla dropped the ball. I mean, it's it's just, it's a constant refrain. And the thing mm-hmm. is with Tesla, and this is the point that Kim made in the video, is the fact that Tesla is growing so fast that they don't seem to have enough resources to dedicate to the things that matter to the customer. What matters mm-hmm. to Tesla is what they're doing behind the scenes, and that's production ramp and product development, so on and so forth. Yeah. But the problem, of course, is the customer service part of it is failing miserably, and they really need to fix this. And I would agree 100% on this. I would mm-hmm. hope that um, you know the Tesla people are trying to, to to rectify the problem. The problem is, is that if they are rectifying it, in my opinion, they're not fixing it fast enough. And if you keep burning customers... Uh, it's going to come back and bite you eventually. People are just going to say, oh, I heard all kinds of problems or don't buy that Tesla. I had all kinds of, I mean, the car was great, but I've had a lot of problems with service or this or that. So, you know, it's a, it's, it, they're in a, they're in a good position in some ways because there's more, the, they have more the demand than there is production or what they can supply. But by the same token, if your customer service is not going to follow along, uh, I mean, there's there's horror stories. I mean, you, you watch, um, you know, Rich Brenoir's channel, their uh, Rich Rebuilds. He bought himself a used Model X on the CPO program. It's been oh, over yeah. two months. He still hasn't seen his Model X and he keeps getting the runaround. Now, keep, keep in mind, he's in Connecticut. He has extra complications because they're not allowed to sell direct, so on and so forth. He has to go, I think it's New Jersey or New York to pick up the car. Anyways, it's a different animal altogether. I think I got that right. Um, but there are horror stories out there. So we can't, um, you know, we can't sugarcoat this thing. It, it is a problem. So I just hope that Tesla gets around to fixing this yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to minimize this. I mean, you're, you're spot on with what you're saying, Trevor. I also think that you, your uh, situation with Volkswagen has been well accounted for a number of times well, on the, the show. And it's funny you mentioned that because, um, and I don't mean to, to interrupt, but no, it's fine. you have to put things into perspective. There is no such thing. I had, a, I had somebody on the forum today say something, well, that's the problem you get when you don't have franchises. I said, it has nothing to do with Tesla not having franchises. That was his argument. I said, yeah. it has nothing to do with the fact that Tesla doesn't have franchises. Franchises makes mistakes too. Mm-hmm. I've had problems. <laughs> Uh, even yeah. with an established car maker, been on business business way, way longer than Tesla, and right. they completely dropped the ball. So Tesla's not immune to this situation. I'm just saying that you have to put things into perspective, and this goes back to what you are saying a couple minutes ago, that Tesla gets way too much press coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's a good kind of press coverage, and there's also a bad kind. In the grand scheme of things, it's good press coverage because it keeps sure. it in the public's mind. But they get more public. They get more coverage than they actually have any right it's, to actually it's, have. It's ide- ideally, what it comes down to, it's an unfair series of expectations relative to the amount of coverage there is. You know, when you're when you're bandied about, when your name is talked about all the time, as much as it is, the level of service, all the different things that come with that notoriety, are sort of elevated because of how much fame and and mentions there are out there. And that's the un. I mean, that's sort of the 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 catch and release about this whole entire thing which is hey you have all this fame and fortune but come what comes with that is sometimes the unfortunate side which is customers that are sort of disappointed in the service because maybe they're expecting a certain level or they're given deadline a but their experience ends up being something different um so yeah it's it's a troublesome thing and you know i'm hoping they are going to address it and i think there are some people who have already been talked about this within tesla before 
but yeah, it's it's something that you're right needs needs to be worked on, and hopefully they're going to find remedies that'll take care of that very soon. All right. Well, at the risk of beating a dead horse, because this is a constant <laughs> rain, we really need to move on to the next little bit. Please don't uh, die on us. <coughs> pardon me. I apologize. <laughs> Um, the next little bit comes from uh, Clean Technica. There is a new innovative Tesla Model 3 seat lock, which is uh, designed to aim and uh, aim to reduce uh, the constant break-ins. Uh, now, of course, if you've been following along on Twitter or on social media, you'll you'll know that there is a big problem in the Bay Area. Uh, constant break-ins. We've talked about this on the show before. Thieves are going around, finding parked Model 3s, breaking the quarter window in the back, and pulling on the lock on the seat uh, to put the seat down to see if you have anything in the trunk worth stealing. This is an epidemic. It is really, really bad. Um, so these two gentlemen, uh, Tesla, uh, YouTuber Tesla Raj teamed up with Tesla Do you, uh, Do It Yourself to develop the uh, drop lock, which is a device that locks the handle on the rear seat folding mechanism. So it's a little orange thing that you just stick into the little hole on the back that prevents the seat lock from being um, pulled on. Now, I've looked at this thing, and um, I think I've retweeted it. Uh, we can talk about it here a little bit on the show. I don't think it's a final cure to the problem. It may be a short-term deterrent, mm-hmm. um, because anybody who's really willing to get into these cars can figure out how to defeat this little thing with maybe a screwdriver or something getting in there. I think it may help, in some cases, to deter opportunistic um, hit and runs at least at first until these guys figure out that well this thing is really not stopping us um if it's not apparent enough or you don't have any stickers on the windows i mean you know somebody can still go by and say oh it's a model three break the window and go oh what's this thing so you know just because you have this little orange thing in there it doesn't mean that the thieves are actually looking for it specifically at least at first if this thing really goes crazy and becomes, uh, you know, success, and I hope it is, and it actually fixes the problem, great. In the meantime, we're still going to see a lot of break-ins from this. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and we've talked about this on the show before. You know, Tesla does have an enhanced uh, anti-theft device, which is a small retrofit for the Model X. I really hope that they actually do something like this for the Model 3, um, make it some kind of free retrofit or cheap retrofit. Uh, because it actually has a glass break detector, which is not something the Model 3 has for um, those windows on the back. So right now, it's a it's you know it's a free for all for these thieves, and it's uh, it's it's really bad. Um, there have been I think a couple of reports that's been happening in LA as well. So it's like this this little cancer now is starting to spread, and I hope that Tesla or somebody has some kind of uh, you know, remedy for this. Uh, maybe it requires a redesign of the back seats no, to move no, the no, lock no. I, somewhere I, else. I, I, I don't I know. I told you guys what the solution was a couple of uh, weeks ago. <laughs> okay, Ian. All right. High voltage transformer, 40,000 oh, yeah. volts piped into the inside of that receptacle. And <laughs> Just straight into buddy, the battery, 350 buddy gets volts. Right? That's it. Problem solved. <laughs> They won't yeah, wait, wait until wait until the day that you forget that that thing was plugged in. <laughs> well, you see, I have no hair, so I don't have to worry about getting the new hair. I think you got more problems than hair, my friend. <laughs> uh, sells for twenty four ninety nine. Uh, it's available at uh, let's see here. Where was the website? I think it's droplock.com. I think they put a link to it. I'll put a link in the video or the uh, podcast description if you want to check out this product. Great. Um, I have not reached out to these people to see if we can get some kind of review unit or something like that. So we'll leave it to the people out there. If you think it's good, let us know in the video or the show comments. And uh, maybe we can talk about it on a future episode. Like I said, it's brand new. So, um, hey, all the power to them. If it fixes the problem, great. Um, 
but uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't get any worse than it is because this is just, it's just, it's crazy. Ah, uh, let's see here. Next little bit here. Comparing Model 3 seats and heated seats. Yes, uh, this comes uh, courtesy of Tesserati. And um, uh, Eric, you want to talk about this a little bit? Uh, what they're doing here, somebody took a FLIR attachment and put it to their cell phone. Uh, because you can buy these little doodads and uh, compared to the Model 3 seats compared to the Model S. Yeah, so real briefly, I saw this story uh, today on Clean Technica, which I thought, I'm sorry, on Tesserati, excuse me. Uh, and it was a really interesting story because a lot of folks have um, tried to compare the features of the various vehicles. And uh, this uh, YouTuber decided to put together a video comparing the Model 3 heated seat to the Model S heated seat and sort of how they compared. Now, he did this uh, through a couple of different tests. So the first thing he did, he did a timed test. So he timed uh, how uh, what the temperature was of the seats from cold to heated in the span of a five-minute period. And uh, in his comparison, he said that the, the seats were pretty comparable uh, of the Model 3 compared to that of the Model S. So in the, um, the Model 3, uh, over the course of five minutes, it gone from uh, 73.3 degrees Fahrenheit on the back to 81.5 degrees on the bottom uh, over that five minutes. And then the Model S had 69.2 degrees Fahrenheit on the back and 84.6 on the bottom, again, after five minutes. So you can see the temperatures there are pretty similar. But what's really interesting is showing the heat map. Uh, so if you watch the video or if you saw the, uh, if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, uh, when Trevor was showing you the, the, the headline of the article, um, in the uh, banner image, it showed you sort of a side-by-side -side comparison of the heat maps. Now, in the Model 3, the heating element is basically uh, towards the body center. So really where most of your uh, body makes contact with the seat, both in the back and the bottom, that's where the heating elements are, are fairly grouped together. Whereas in the Model S, they're dispersed a bit more, so the seat gets more heat spread throughout. Now, I'm the kind of person that prefers the heating elements closer together because I want to really have the heat kind of uh, honed in on where my body makes contact versus being spread out. But again, that may depend on uh, your person's uh, body size or you know just everything else in the car. But that being said, it's a great article. Um, the link will be in the description for this podcast. You can take a look at it uh, and just kind of see what you think. Maybe share your comments with the creator. But I think it's a pretty cool comparison just to kind of see how the uh, the cars compare when it comes to the heated seats. Yeah, the video is on uh, Eric Strait's YouTube channel. He goes by um, uh, Tesla Inventory. So shout out to Eric if you're watching, buddy. Uh, good job. I like his stuff. He does some pretty neat stuff, him and his buddy Dave there. Oh, yeah. All right, moving along. Uh, Ian, finally, it's been three weeks. <laughs> is it time for you to do your book review? <laughs> it is. So the book you're uh, and and I did get the audio book and I started listening to it, but because you know I'm only a little bit into it, you can do the you know full review. But so far I like what I hear. So uh, why don't you take it over there and tell us all about this book? So yeah, so it's uh, something I got at Christmas, uh, Insane Mode by um, uh, Hamish McKenzie. Um, interesting, uh, not quite what I was expecting. I, I I actually hadn't heard of the book. I was really impressed that someone in my family went to the trouble of looking it up. It uh, came out at the um, end of last year, and um, I thought it was going to be basically another rehash of the Tesla history, and it is anything, well, it, it, it contains a fair amount of that. Certainly, I'd say about half the book talks about Tesla, maybe a third of it. But overall, it's uh, it's more a, an overarching look at the whole EV scene from the last 10 to 15 years with Tesla sort of painted into 
where where do they fit into the whole scene? What are they doing? So it talks about Tesla as a disruptor, and he spends a fair amount of time also hopping back and forth to the scene over in China, which is fascinating. I've read a couple of books in the last few years on what's going on in the EV market in China, and that's been going in fits and starts. But obviously, all of the really interesting startups now basically either come straight out of China or have Chinese money behind them. So he talks at length about uh, Neo, BYD, uh, Byton, um, Jia Yuting, who's the the guy that's uh, Faraday Future. Faraday Future, yeah, that's that's a huge one in there, and all the controversy swirling around them. And uh, he does a hell of a lot of research on this. Um, he is not an automotive writer by any stretch of the imagination. He's a tech and a business writer. And I, I, I was a little worried at the very first chapter, he talks about how he has no understanding of the internal combustion engine and no mechanical knowledge. I'm thinking, oh, God, as a car guy, this is going to be painful to, <laughs> to read. But no, he, he, he put his dose to the Stone. He did a great amount of research. Uh, he even has a fair understanding of the internal combustion engine now. So I give him a lot of props for that. Um, a few people have sort of critiqued the book on the basis that it does jump around. You know, you're... You're in China, you're back in California, you're talking about Tesla, you're talking about GM. I, I found it made it interesting. You know, he sort of captures the feel in real time, like, okay, what's happening over here? What's happening over here? And um, there's a few things that I really didn't expect at all. Uh, and one of them was there's a whole chapter dedicated to the dark money and the evil forces kind of going against the EV movement, uh, and most specifically the Koch brothers. And he did a fantastic job of detailing how that money gets into the system, how it funds all of these various little subversive groups that put out the FUD and this sort of thing. So I found that fascinating reading. Um, so overall, yeah, it's it's a great book. Um, even though it was published this year, I, I found the bulk of the information seems to come from around 2016. Uh, and he was a little apologetic for that. If you read the acknowledgments, he says that, you know, it, it, the book kind of went in fits and starts. You know, he's obviously, this is, I think, his first um, book of any significant size and it took about five years to get out and he's worked on it sort of piecemeal so uh there's not quite as much up to the minute there's there's things that have been added in but overall um, a fantastic read I, I highly recommend it um even if you're well versed in tesla you're going to learn some things about the industry in general i uh i was pleasantly surprised i, I really enjoyed it yeah so far i uh, i like what i've been able to listen to <clears throat> um you going to give it an ian score what do you think yeah, I'd give it like a solid 8, 8.5 out of 10. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, the book is called Insane Mode by, uh, what's it say, Hamish? Hamish McKenzie. Hamish McKenzie. Aussie, is he? Uh, no. He's no, a he's a Kiwi. He's a Kiwi. Yeah, from New right. Zealand. Okay, that's right. I should have known better because I was listening to the podcast. So, again, if you like the book, I'll, we'll put a link in the uh, video or the podcast description. You can check it out for yourself. Thanks for that, Ian. Um, two little bits of information that we want to clear up before we get into uh, viewer questions. Uh, number one, Tesla this week releases a uh, Tesla wall connector with a NEMA 1450 pigtail attachment already on it. So uh, this is finally good news that there have been a couple of them that had snuck out. Um, so, you know, I saw some Tesla YouTubers uh, mentioning uh, Eric Strait, of course, had got one uh, almost a year ago. Um, I don't know how the heck he got a hold of it, but uh, anyway, so Tesla's making this thing uh, widely available for those of you who would like a wall connector. The wall connector offers you a faster charge rate than the UMC that comes with the Model 3 because the Model 3 is only 32 amps, and this thing can deliver up to 48 amps depending on, of course, what you supply it with. But the best part is that it comes pre-wired, so you can plug it into NEMA 1450. Of course, NEMA 1450 is late, uh, limited at 50, uh, 40 amps. 
but uh, at least you can get another uh, eight amps out of the deal. Sells for the same cost, uh, $500 US. It's available today on the Tesla website. Still comes with a 24-foot non-detachable cable. And the best part, of course, is that if you move, you can take it with you. And you don't have to call an electrician. It's literally plug and play. So those of you who have NEMA 450 who would like a longer cable and not have to deal with the uh, UMC that comes with your car, want a little extra charge rate and the fact that it's portable and take it with you, uh, there you go. Uh, the next one, one I want to talk about real quick, of course, and it's been all over the internet today. Uh, our good friend Elon Musk finally, finally broke the news to everyone. Uh, the Tesla referral program is going away for reals this time. On what? February, <laughs> for February, <laughs> February 1st. The Tesla referral program is done. It is good. It, the, this goose is finally cooked. <sighs> we need to spend a few minutes to talk about this. Um, Oh, God, we, I, I need a minute. Um, oh <laughs> we've been predicting this for some time. I know we've mentioned it on the show many times that we thought it was coming. We thought it was coming. The writing's been on the wall for some time. Uh, they did extend it until, uh, what was it, March something. I forget what the last date was. And uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. And then just abruptly yesterday, he says, that's it, February 1st. It's, it's gone and done with. So if you want to order a car, get in while you can. Um. You know, Elon had a tweet some time ago where he said that the the program long-term was non-sustainable and we have to figure out some kind of fair way to end the program. Uh, he actually went on to say here in the tweet, and if I can find it here, uh, ending, for, okay, yeah, so here's the actual tweet. I'm going to hopefully bring it up here, here. Um, confer, uh, conferring to Fred Lambert says, yes, it's definitely ending on February 1st. It's adding too much cost to the cars, especially Model 3. So in some ways, we have to kind of unpack this a little bit. What does he mean? Is it, is, you know, is it affecting Model 3? And I've thought about this. Uh, you know, some other people have done some videos of, uh, again today, including Sean Mitchell and, um, you know, Ben Sullins had done their own little bit on the, on the referral program. And I'm going to lean more towards what Ben said and think that, you know, the grand prize of being the uh, of the roadster is just is non-sustainable now don't get me wrong i'm not trying to be a hypocrite about this whole thing because you know it's benefited me greatly um you know i've won two roadsters out of the deal haven't seen him yet but just you know the nature of the beast um personally i think it's too soon to end the referral program um i understand where tesla's coming from you can't keep giving away because you know look when it was just model s and model x that were getting these referrals it was it was a lot a lot more difficult to get referrals when they opened it up to model 3 um it literally exploded like i went from um i forget what the number was um 35 referrals and i just checked it today i'm like at 225 or something like that and that's all model three that happened so i'm grateful for that to be um available to us the problem is of course is that when you keep giving roadsters away i mean at some point you gotta you have to pull back the reins um personally i i think that they should have kept the program running and maybe readjust the prizes, like stop with the Roadster thing, but keep it going for Model 3 because you get so many more people now that are actually getting these cars, driving them around, and they can do just as much work as somebody with a YouTube channel or forum or whatever avenue you want on, on social media to actually help sell these cars. Um, because, you know, you've got this nascent group of new people now that are coming into the fold and they can tell their friends and they can tell their friends. So... You know, over the last four years, the referral program has been a great marketing tool. 
uh, for Tesla. It works exceptionally well. Um, so I understand where Tesla's coming from from one aspect, but I think to just whole hog get rid of it, I, I don't I don't 100% agree with that. What do you guys What do you guys think? Uh, I think you're 100% right, Trev. I, I think it just needs to have the prizes realigned so that they make financial sense. I mean, you know, scale everything down so that it, it you know, becomes sustainable and, and that's it. It's it's fun. I think everybody enjoys it. Um, it gives you a little sense of accomplishment when you get a referral or two. And uh, it, it, yeah, again, people will try and raise awareness. It, it gives everybody that a little extra incentive to talk more about the car and get people in the seat and get them to try it out and, and all that stuff. I uh, I think that's the only thing they need to do. Uh, hopefully it'll come back. They might maybe just, in, this might just be a short-term move to, to realign it and rethink mm-hmm. it. Let's hope in a few months or sometime later in the year we'll, we'll see it again under some sustainable guise. I know some people were saying things like, um, oh, you know, they're giving away free supercharging. You know what? Six months of free supercharging is not that much money and not everybody uses it. I mean, Eric, uh, you don't hardly ever use any supercharging yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've only used the superchargers uh, three times in the nearly year that I've had my car. Uh, last time I used a supercharger was last July, and I spent $7.77. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, you know, I, I so this is a very complicated topic. Um, we have a lot of very loyal friends to the show. Uh, we know a lot of other great YouTubers who themselves have put out phenomenal content to get people. Uh, we know there's uh, dear friends like Bonnie, who's just been an advocate for Tesla. Uh, really Bonnie's fantastic. Beginning. Bonnie Norman, by the she, way, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you, you're not doing yourself a favor. Yeah, she's she's really Mandatory. fantastic. Yeah, um, and 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 she's you know, if you're generally interested in wanting to know something, she's the kind of person that just knows so much, and she's just a kind-hearted person. Um, so Bonnie, if you're listening, you're the best. Thank you. <laughs> she's a sweetheart. Um, she really is. So the the larger conversation is really about um and we've we've certainly beaten this to a pulp a number of times <coughs> it was long term not a sustainable solution for for the company um what we i to me what i found often very surprising was when we thought the program is ending there was like that midnight candle sort of extension and you know like a like a hail mary pass in a way where yeah. okay now the program's extended to this date and it's going to you know we're going to revitalize it, we're going to change this so rather than the first referral you get being either um the wall connector or the um the you know the model s for kids with the radio flyer car it's now going to be a photo launching the space so they sort of kept pushing down the premium incentives little by little um but even then you know the the uh uh the addition of the Roadster program really sort of, I think, put things in the hyperdrive. Uh, that really is your high-performance uh, referral program because now the people who stand to benefit the most were the ones who really had been in these premium positions from the very beginning. Um, so it's not to say that you know there are owners who are really doing their best to put out quality information to help people get into the vehicles. Uh, I certainly have been a benefactor of being on the show. I, I now have four referrals and that's four more than I ever thought I'd ever get. Uh, just even talking to people about the car because most of the people I know that want the car can't afford it. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's disheartening for some to see it end so abruptly. Uh, but again, this, this has sort of been on life support for some period of time. So, uh, you know, yes, we thought it'd go till March, but I thought it was going to be dead in the water last September. Um, 
So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, and, and Trev, I want to give you full credit. You're acknowledging that the fact that you're a benefactor of the program, uh, you're getting those uh, at least one roadster. Um, and if you follow Trevor on Twitter, he did talk about the coding uh, for his roadster that he'd like to get <laughs> for his for for the, you know for the white one. Um, but anyway, I yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more that needs to be said. I mean, this is sort of the inevitable. Uh, it's just I think. For for it to happen last night in the wee hours in the morning for some people is, is just sort of a, a very surprising thing to wake up to today. I think in some ways, it's, it's also interesting to remember because there's there's so much focus on the Roadster prizes, but I know a lot of other people, Ben Solins, for example, he won two Powerwalls, still hasn't seen him yet. Yeah. Uh, the Powerwall Award uh, is just one of those things where just very few people actually got those things, and even though mm-hmm. lots of people qualified for them. So, you know, the people that have been in the program a lot longer than uh, me have, have reason to be upset at the fact that they still haven't received some of those awards. It's one thing mm-hmm. to get a jacket. It's one thing to get a car, for crying out loud. Um, you know, and the Roadsters just got a lot of focus. It's not the first time they've uh, they've awarded cars before. I mean, Bjorn uh, Nyland won a Model X out of the deal. Um Kim from Like Tesla uh, won a fully loaded P100D mm-hmm. uh, Model X, and that was from the referral program from all, almost two years ago, the first uh, people in their geographic region to get 20. Yeah. I think it was 20 referrals. So it's not the first time they've offered um, you know big prizes like this. It's just first time they've actually offered you know essentially a founder's edition uh, of this caliber for this type of thing. And, and, and I think in some ways, maybe the referral people weren't really thinking straight uh, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, first person to get to 55, okay, that's really tough. And then it's almost like it's been ignored, and all of a sudden, oh, let's just open up the Model 3 to it. And, and then they look at the books and go, holy cow, how many of these cars are we actually giving away? Because if you look at, the, there's a website out here, and I'll bring it up here um, for those of you who don't know. I think there's uh, 80 of them that have been awarded, right? Isn't that the number I saw? Recently? Well, it's somewhere in that vicinity. So this is a website yeah. called uh, top.teslastats.no, and it uh, what it does is that it tracks the highest referrers in the world. Um, they don't go out and grab these. You have to submit your, uh, your uh, referral code to this, or other people can too. But I, I tend to believe that most of the high-ranking people on this list are actually, you know, this kind of the leaderboard. So you've got uh, Andy Sly, uh, who has a YouTube channel. Um, there's a gentleman named Horst <clears throat> in Germany. Uh, there's Trevor, there's David, there's Kim, there's Zach Bjorn. So, you know, and Fred from Electric, Ben Saul. So these are all kind of the common people that you would kind of uh, generally find on the internet that have some kind of YouTube uh, content or, you know, a popular website or some form and stuff. So it stands to reason that some of the high rollers, so to speak, um, would certainly get a lot of these because uh, they have properties, of course, out there that are really spreading the word. And that was really the whole point of the referral program is just not to sit on your duff and give out your referral code. You got to do something. You got to uh, get people into the showrooms or whatever. And if people and the thing you have to remember, and I know a lot of people are out there are probably going to say, oh, you know, you know, all you guys are all rich and you're getting roadsters and stuff. That's not the way it works, man. <laughs> we are not rich. Um you know, a lot of us have put a lot of time and energy and content in, into into building our content like that. And the thing is, is that never have I ever twisted anybody's arm and say, you must use the referral code. Everybody's free to do is what they want, you know. So if you choose to use somebody's referral code, then that's your prerogative. And if you use mine or you used Ian's or you used Eric's, great. Thank you. Thanks. It's, it's, it's benefited everybody. That's great. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, the prizes just didn't 
actually makes sense. Um, and like I said, uh, have, had they rejiggered the prizes and kept the program the way it was, I think it would be a lot more fair for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, th- I also wonder what would have happened if when sometimes they changed the program, if, especially at these higher levels, if they sort of said, okay, but you can only count the referrals from when this was introduced into the program. Correct. So if you if you had, for example, 150 referrals from before, and they go, okay, well now we're going to give roadsters to those who get 55. You'd have to get 55 more referrals to get that roadster. Like, That's right. You, you you already have a huge head start. So a bunch of people, when they added this to the program, all of a sudden you see like, okay, well all these people now have roadsters already. Um, and you know a lot of the folks who were like me, way behind, going. Can I just get a wall connector? Like I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, but I, you know, and I can imagine someone saying, "Well, that's not fair because I've already done X amount of referrals." And right, but where the program was at the time that you started getting them to where the company is today is very different. And uh, the Model Three changed that conversation immensely. Um, so I mean, look, it's it's a very sensitive matter. I, I think that there is really no right or wrong answer in terms of how this could have been done. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it just it was never a long sustaining solution. Uh, now, not the now way they're doing it. Yeah, not the way they today. were doing it there. They were because, doing it today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the cumulative effect was what was getting out of control. Right. Um, you know, had they reset it at some point, then okay, that's a little different. And then you can right. take that opportunity to rejigger the prizes and stuff. But since uh, it's almost been two years now, well, a year and a half, um, yeah. they haven't reset the program at all. It's just the numbers has just been rolling and rolling and rolling like a big odometer. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that also is to the credit. Like, again, we're now approaching the end of January. This program was set to die as far as we knew it at the end of quarter three. So it's been extended at least another four months uh, from what its original past yeah. due date was. So, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, it's been an amazing thing. It's obviously been one of the main reasons why Tesla is where it is today. Um, but, you know, for, for those who are benefactors of the program at the highest levels, um, for them to be open and frank about how they've benefited from it and still say that there's been some, uh, I don't want to say malfeasance, but there certainly were ways to make the program more um, beneficial to the masses at large to make it more balanced, uh, I think is a very uh, a good attribution to how those people understand that, yes, they've made a difference and they've contributed to the program, uh, but they wish that other people who are just coming into this the program now would have had as much an opportunity to earn the same key. Does anybody have any thoughts about the portent of this possibly being uh, Tesla's maybe a, a four-way into maybe advertising at this point? I mean, I don't. Te- you don't think so? Not yet, no. Like, they don't have a demand problem. The whole reason why you advertise a product is to generate demand, uh, something Tesla does not suffer from. I'm just kind of thinking, like, what kind of, I mean, are they are they ending this because they have more of the demand and they finally realize that, look, we don't really need to to incentivize anymore? It could be, it could be that, and I think the soon-to-be introduction of Model Y now adds yet another vehicle uh, to the fray. Um, and I think at some point they realize they're going to have too many options and too many owners that they mm. really just can't keep going with the number of people who could keep doing this. It's almost like an infestation. Like when you go, all right, well, the if you look at the Earth's population chart, for example, this is a great analogy of, of um, 
exponential growth. If you have a certain number as, and you know, as you start growing, it just keeps going up and up and up to the point where like all of a sudden it just escalates very quickly. So the, the amount of time from one number to the next continues to decrease as the numbers grow. So I think it's, uh, it's basically uh, reaching its point where it's it, the numbers are so high on the chart that they just can't keep going with the number of owners they're going to get because the more owners I, you have, the more people that can just, you know, contribute to the program. Let's think about the math on that though, because the more vehicles they sell, theoretically, the more profit they should be able to generate, right? Economies of scale as, oh, as yes, they absolutely. scale up. So if, you know, <laughs> if you're, you know, if it's sustainable or let's say with uh, call it 200,000 cars sold a year and suddenly jump to 400,000, well, that's that much more profit. You, you've doubled the number of vehicles you sold, but theoretically you've doubled and hopefully more than doubled the profit because you know your economy of scale is working for you. So as they sell more and more vehicles, it should be easier to amortize the cost of the program. Um, it becomes a function of do you really need it? If the demand keeps exceeding whatever they can produce, you could say, well, we could shut the program off because we just don't need it. And we it's don't need it. Yeah. 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 I have a funny feeling it ties into uh, they still there's still a lot of capex here. I mean, they're still building out Gigafactory. They're building China. Um, they got to get the Model Y up and running. They got to get the Roadster up and running. They got to get the Semi up and running. There's a lot the, of money. The, the standard range Model 3 has a good going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That too. And and there you go. You bring up an excellent point, Eric. Once the, once the standard range, I mean, we know for the first few months that car is going to be produced, the margins on it are not going to be spectacular. So I think they're they're trimming the fat right now to make sure that they can get through that, still show profits and uh, and not cut themselves too dry. So once once we get over the hump, once all of these vehicles are out in the pipeline and all of the CapEx is done to build out the lines for them, I think you could see it come back and in, in some some similar form but maybe it, in the short term in order to get past all those humps they just want to trim it back yeah yeah and it may it may just be down the line they might just do like just supercharging credits and nothing else i mean if anything that's just a benefit to the buyer um but you know i mean I, i'm the kind of person like that's why if you guys follow me on twitter um at ec fix i had a little tweet storm in a sense today basically saying like look we're we're where we're at because of the people who got us here from the very beginning from the founders and all the novice people who are inquisitive about tesla and i said look i'll share my code if you want to use it great if you don't that's fine um but ideally it's it's a benefit we want to pass on to owners like you uh, we want you to be able to use the benefit of supercharging, even if you never do it or like me, you seldom ever have to use it. It's great that it's there uh, just because it does save you some money. But ideally, that's how you support other owners. I could not care any less if I ever got any kind of benefit at all. Ideally, I you know, I do this show when we talk about this, this stuff with Tesla because we love the product line. We love the company. And we want to, you know, make the world a cleaner world for generations to come. I'm 41 years old and I'm worried about the vitality of my own health, much less, you know, what my future children may have to deal with. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, it, this is this is a very important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Uh, I, I'm certain it's not the last conversation we're going to have about this. Um, but, yeah, we we certainly share the code because we care more about you, the buyer, than we care about what our benefits are, because ideally it's, it's about the larger picture. Uh, more than it's about us. Absolutely. Whether there's an, whether there's a referral program or not doesn't change the fact that we're still doing yeah. the podcast, we're still doing the forum, we're still doing YouTube content. It's because mm -hmm. we love the product. Hell yeah. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. 
FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at FineLab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. FineLab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. All right. Well, it's time to move on to some other segments. Uh, Ian, I'm going to give you a chance here because you were telling us earlier today here, because in the show notes you were saying you're having a little discussion with somebody online as to whether the Model 3 is considered a luxury car. Yeah, I thought this was kind of an interesting debate, and uh, I wanted to throw it back to you guys. Just to, to recap, um, I think it was from last week's show, um, we got some comments um, in the YouTube section on... Um, <laughs> The fact that we're talking about the sales figures and how uh, Model 3 had become, well, Tesla overall had become the, the biggest manufacturer in the luxury segment. Model 3 was the biggest uh, luxury um, vehicle sold. And um, a fellow by the name of Robert Jansen, who was listening to us, uh, came back and said, I don't really think the Model 3 could qualify as a luxury vehicle. He saw it as, you know, a, a good quality ex- extended range electric car, but in no way, shape or form did he see it as a luxury vehicle. And I sort of understand where he was coming from. And then, you know, he reached out to me on Twitter and we had a really good conversation back and forth on it. I just wanted to share sort of we came from it. I think a lot of people who come from traditional luxury brands, and I'm one of them, I drove Audis for 20 years, have a little bit of a hard time wrapping our heads around the idea of the, the Model 3 on the surface being a luxury car because mostly the interior is completely different from anything else we we've seen when you get in a luxury car you want a lot of glitz or your mind has been sort of programmed to think wow the more flashier buttons and chrome rings and you know different surfaces and suedes and leathers that's what we consider to be opulence you know that's what we consider to be luxury Mm -hmm. and the model 3 is very Bauhaus it's very kind of like this is minimal and you will like it. You know, it's just, it's the little <laughs> screen, you know, it's like this whole Swedish thing going on there. So like the first time you sit in the car, you kind of freak out. You know, my own girlfriend was like, you paid how much for this car? And that's it. That's all there is inside it. So I understand that reaction implicitly. But once you're in there for a few minutes and you understand how it works and you see what the screen does, well, to me, it's, it's mind blowing. It's better than any other luxury cars in terms of functionality and the display. Um, but it's just very different. So yeah, if, if you're if you're looking for lots of chrome and gold, this ain't it. It's it's a different kind of luxury, and I think it's going to redefine it. I would not be shocked if that influence we start seeing seeping into some of the other luxury brands. I mean, uh, well, just at the CES show, we saw um, who was it that had the wide screen um, going right across? It was Byton, thank you, that that did the same thing. They just took the Tesla concept and they made it a little bit larger. But you can see kind of that's where things are going. But um, the luxury uh, category, you have to understand, is defined by a number of things. There's not only the um, the types of interior materials and features and options that you get with the car, but there's the performance of the car. There's its suspension components, um, the handling of it. All of these things are on a different level compared to an economy car of the same size class. And I think the Model 3 is at least equivalent, if not superior, in all of those categories. So I don't think it's hard to defend. I just think it's a different kind of luxury than what people are traditionally used to thinking about. I, I agree with you 100% on that. I have my own opinions, and I'm going to, t- uh, if you'll permit me, <laughs> I'd like to throw my own little bit into the ring here, because I'm Go going to it. approach it from a statement or 
a way to break into a market. Um, you got Tesla here who's who's entering a, a new market, and that market is largely the entry-level luxury market. It's dominated by the A4 and the C-Class and uh, in Mercedes BMW 3 Series, all known for the last 25-plus years as being, you know, stalwarts of that category. And here's Tesla, and they're trying to break into that market. They know they don't have the margins <clears throat> and the cost low enough to get into the civic territory, so they go headstrong into this category. And I'm going to put my little armchair engineer slash designer hat on and just put myself into their situation and say, look, if we're going to compete against this market, we can't be like everybody else. We can't make it opulent. We can't have a lot of bling because we we will just be seen as some as the as the same as the others. So if we're going to make a dent in this market, we have to bring something special to the market. We have to make a statement. And in Tesla's case, the statement was forget about what people think what luxury is. Our idea of luxury is mid-century modern. Let's get rid of all of the visual distractions. Let's make a super statement. Let's go to a central screen. Let's get rid of all the buttons other than the hazard button, which is required by law. Um, let's push the cabin forward. Let's, let's, let's just pull out all the stops. Why do we have to be like everybody else? And the net effect is people gravitate to the core. Um, Yes, not everybody uh, likes the likes the design. I get that. It's just like I get into an opulent car and I go, it's too much visual distraction for me because it's what I'm used to. In a lot of ways, I equate to this to be exactly, um, and we've said this many times before, the Model 3 is very much the iPhone moment of the auto industry. And I mean that in more ways than one. The, the way that I'm approaching it is, look at all the cell phones on the market prior to the iPhone. They all had little screens and little chiclet buttons and some little flippy screens. Today, go look at all phones are basically an iPhone today. So in Apple's case, what they did is they brought something distinctly different to the market to say, look, this is a statement. This is what we see for the future. And it worked. It, it got everybody to go, holy cow, this actually makes sense. In Tesla's case with the Model 3, it was about breaking into a market with something that's visually different. It makes a statement and it resonates with people and it really sets them apart. I guarantee you, if you take any of those other cars and you put them in a parking lot and you put a Model 3 in there too and you open up the doors and let people go and look at the cars other than the outside because the Model 3 also has a very big bold exterior statement if you look at it of course the nose cone which of course everybody flipped out at first when it was first introduced I was one of them right um it's just like anything else, it kind of grows on you. But I guarantee you, if you take, like I said before, if you take any of those cars, you put them in a parking lot and you open up the doors and you put a Model 3, which is the car that people are going to gravitate to the most? Think about it. Guaranteed it's Model 3. Guaranteed. For yeah. people that have not been exposed to the car. They yeah, all go the same thing. The, you open up a door. I mean, I know lots of people. I meet people on the street. They were there with the Model 3. Oh, it's an electric car. And say, oh, yeah, watch this. And you open the door and say, take a look at the Model 3. And everybody's eyes bug out of their heads because they've never seen anything like that before. So that car makes a statement. And that's precisely what Tesla needed in order to get into that market. All the other stuff is is bread and butter. I mean, it's it's all great. The car has been designed to have exterior you know, performance and handling and all that other stuff. You need that stuff to be in the market. But the interior, which is what you touch and feel on a daily basis, that's the primary thing. It's the main reason why Tesla did the slide-out door handles on the, on the Model S. If you listen to Franz von Holthausen talk about how they did that, it says it's your first point of contact with the car. Why not make it something mm -hmm. spe 
special. Yeah, you know what? I I, I agree so much. Of Rant what is over. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. No, it's 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 insightful perspective, and I think a lot of people really appreciate your being sincere about it. Um, I sort of want to go back to the point you mentioned about like the iPhone. So um, there was a time years ago when computers had floppy drives, and then Apple one day said, "You know what?" We're not going to sell computers with floppy drives. We think this is outdated, outmoded technology. Uh, it's time to move forward with DVDs and CDs and things like that. So Apple began selling computers without floppy drives. Now, people are flocking to Apple, going to the stores, and they're looking at their computers, going, oh, I'm in the market for a computer. Well, here are our MacBooks right here. Aren't these fantastic? Well, wait a second. Where's your floppy drive? Yeah, they don't, we don't have them anymore. I'm sorry, what? That was what, the, what the very mean? first iMac, yeah. Right. So it sometimes takes a company sort of having a vision beyond the present moment, not being a prisoner of the moment and saying, we're going to look beyond what we see now. We're going to look forward and we're going to envision a future that's different from where it's used to nowadays. From the auto perspective, Tesla has sort of set the foundation to say, not only are we going to be the most advanced electric car in the market, with downloadable updates, with a huge charging infrastructure. We're going to design a car from the ground up, and it started with the Model S, as the first fully electric vehicle ever built from the ground up designed to be an electric car. Not a chassis that was retrofitted from a gas car, literally designed to be electric from the ground up. And they did it in a way where if we're going to go, and pardon my language, if we're going to go balls out, we're going to go balls out. And they did that. And people were like, holy crap, with this car. And, you know, the proof of concept Roadster on its own was an impressive vehicle. And people go, well, it's a great car. But, of course, it's not affordable for the masses. But founders like Bonnie found a way to get behind that car. And it's been, you know, history ever since. The Model 3 took what has been best about the Model S and X and the lessons that were learned in the production of those vehicles, the design of those cars, and everything else. The Model 3, in my opinion, and I know I'm an owner, I know what the name of this podcast is, but <laughs> the, model, the Model 3 for me is the best car Tesla has produced. In so many of the ways you guys have described it, um, in terms of the advanced battery technology, in terms of the way it charges, in terms of its performance, uh, its nimble turns, I mean, so many different things. Because it's almost like the right car at the right time in the right market. So for all the reasons that you guys have mentioned and even beyond the stuff that even I'm talking about, to define this car as a luxury car is applicable when it's revolutionizing what we believe a luxury car should be, not what it actually is. And so, yes, you can certainly have an opinion and say, hey, I, I sort of say it's not a luxury car, especially if the $35,000 version comes out. And maybe some say, well, well the basic interior doesn't feel luxury. But there's so much behind the aesthetics uh, of what a seat feels like. There's so much more than just how the screen interacts with you. It's really the overall experience of being in the car, driving it, uh, you know, something as simple as running to the grocery store or picking up your kids from school. Uh, you know, like I'm the kind of person on my days off, I want to drive this car. I don't care where <laughs> I have to go. I want to drive the car. That's how it's changed how we perceive cars to be. So it's, it's a great conversation we're having, but I, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, and again, we sound biased, but again, I, I, I really think this is what luxury cars will eventually start mirroring. And we're seeing some designs uh, for future um, 
cars being built by some of the legacy automakers that have some some components of the design of the Model 3. Yeah, what we're seeing here, of course, is definitely a trend towards more and more screens in the cars. I mean, mm-hmm. Byton's taking it to you know an extreme, of course, but the concept of putting screens in cars now <clears throat> and putting more and more controls on it is uh, is a direct relation to what Tesla's been doing for the last six years. Because of course, Model Three is not the first car to have a screen in it, of course. Um, but I, I've definitely. S- you know, seen a, a very big trend to putting more and more screen. I mean, you don't have to go any further in looking at r- r- what Rivian's doing with their pickup truck. Uh, I mean, we've had, we've the, had like DVD screens in the back of headset of headrests. I mean, it's, it's not like it's all that new uh, overall. Well, but this to, is different to, because you, now you're putting it at, uh, on the driver's. Right. I mean, uh, you right. Know. You're seeing it as a control center versus anything else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ian, any thoughts before we move on to uh, viewer questions? No, I, I think we've done a good job of, of killing this one. We're, we're, we're really beating stuff to death today, so yes, <laughs> sorry for running long, people. This is a very short show. <laughs> All right, let's move on. This is the part of the show where we answer viewer questions. Um, again, we encourage you, if you'd like, um, sometime you know on Thursdays before we record, uh, watch for our tweet. And uh, put any uh, questions you'd like below. You can also reach us at uh, at podcast at model3ownersclub.com if you'd like to uh, send us an email with questions or uh, you know an audio clip or something like that. We're glad to play that on the show. So let's dive in here. Let's look at our Twitter feed and see what people uh, sent us this week. Uh, I, uh, Ian, you were pretty busy today answering a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I, yeah, I tried. There was a few of them that just looked like, oh, I know that. I bang, 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 bang. I figured I'd knock a few <laughs> off. Just well, that's to, good because it takes some pressure because we get way more questions than we're possibly able yes, to answer, of course. That, that was kind of how I was feeling. So let's oh, see how by the way, I mean, I mean, some people were asking, I mean, what's what's the deal with the mug? Of course, that's a weapon of mass adoption. And uh, if you want, you can buy the T-shirt, of course. So uh, that, that'll be you in the video the T-shirt link. and the mug. Yes, You mean uh, the shirt that I'm wearing on the video right now? This shirt <laughs> you, you're talking you about? You demand, yes. buddy. You demand. <laughs> hey, now. That's amazing. Exactly. All right, let's get in here. Let's find the first question. Um, I'll start with this one here, uh, even though it's been kindly answered here. Jennifer Reynolds was asking, I've searched and I've searched, and I can't find an answer to how to best charge to preserve battery life. I drive less than 5 to 10 day. I'm going to say that it's probably miles. Uh, miles. Yes, okay. Uh, park in a garage. doesn't uh, Seems wrong to charge each night, uh, but I should have let it go down to 20% before charging or somewhere. In between. Well, uh, we'll answer that question. Uh, as Tesla recommends, and I'm thinking that Tesla's maybe the delivery people are really not doing a 100% job on educating people on the charging situation. But uh, here's the deal. Charge it every day, whether you need it or not. Um, there is no reason to treat these cars uh, delicately. These are not cellular phones. Um, and I think I actually responded to her a little bit later on. Because when you say a car has a lithium-ion battery, most people's exposure to lithium-ion really comes in the form of a cell phone, right? And your cell phone only lasts maybe a year or two before the battery degradation becomes very apparent. And in the case of iPhones, of course, they start throttling your performance. Um, The difference, though, is that in a Tesla Model 3, of course, you're dealing with over 4,200 cells, in this, uh, so it's almost like having 4,200 cell phones in your car, and uh, it is temperature managed, and it's uh, the battery management system maintains the whole thing. So you don't need to worry about charging and all that other stuff. Tesla's done all the hard work for you. Just get in the habit, plug it in like a cell phone, charge it. Don't go more than 90% unless you absolutely need that extra little extra range for a long distance trip. 90, anywhere from 75 to 90% is more than enough. 
Um, and just get in the habit of charging it every day. Uh, you'll notice other things will help you down the road, of course, that if you're in the colder winter months, of course, you can, you know, when your car's plugged into shore power, it doesn't take that valuable energy to heat the battery and uh, uh, heat the, the cabin, of course, um, because it'll pull that energy from the grid and not the car. So um, I hope that answers the question. Um, I know it's a constant thing that we get all the time, but literally, d don't baby this car. Plug it in, beat the hell out of it. Right, Ian? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%, exactly what you said. And I'm just going to give a little uh, shout-out to um, Kim at Like Tesla. She's done two videos recently I saw those. on her channel uh, about charging. And a lot of it had to do with um, going back and forth uh, after there was some chatter from Elon himself on this, saying, like, yeah, don't, don't, be, don't be shy to put it to at least 80 or 90% every day. So she went a little bit behind the scenes and pulled up some numbers and pulled out some graphs on battery durability. You know, we've got years now of, of study on S and X batteries and how well they've been performing and uh yeah I, I would encourage anyone maybe trevor you want to put a link to her channel just in today's show sure i'll so do that good because I, I found it very informative as well done easy to understand so uh, anybody wants a little bit more insight into charging have a look at that one okay uh let's see here next question comes from uh, steve fox crystal ball time when will hardware three upgrades be rolled out to those who have purchased full self-driving how quickly would tesla begin to roll out full self-driving capabilities after hardware three is deployed you know, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say that the Hardware 3 should be rolling out to cars within, well, by the mid part of this year. Um, now, as far as what will require Hardware 3, as far as the FSD portion, is anyone's guess. Right now, we're still waiting on the Smart or Enhanced Summon, uh, which is still slated to come to Enhanced Autopilot. That's the summon that... Uh, that will uh, follow you around like a pet. Um, Elon did say, I think it was last week, that they're getting some regulatory pushback on that. And it's going to go out to the early access program people within the next few weeks. So probably sometime around end of February, we might actually see that deployed to the fleet. As far as full, uh, full self-driving, you know, I'm going to stick my neck out. I don't think we're really going to see much of full self-driving until at least the end of this year, um, at least for some maybe some new features we don't even know about yet. Um, I would suspect we may see some updates if they do get around. Um, what, was that? what was the thing they were talking about? Oh, stoplight and stop sign detection. We may see that before anything else comes. Um, I think the full self-driving thing is a very, very tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardware has largely been sorted out. It's not a hardware problem anymore. It's very much a software problem. And um, I think it's going to take a little longer than people actually uh, expect. Not, not only, I think, with the software validation part, uh, which I think is going to be closer to fruition than anything else, it's really the regulatory approval. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and, and again, it could be one of those things where, because uh, you can't, like, for example... I live in Florida. Let's say Florida decided tomorrow to enact a law that allows electric vehicles to drive <laughs> autonomously. That's fantastic. You can't drive outside the state. So, you know, it, the, the, you know, the highway system is just that. It's a connected system. So you can't just have one state pass a law and other states not be able to adhere to that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things go uh, moving forward. But my suspicion, and again, this is purely based on the way things sort of happen, I think we're years, years away from seeing fully autonomous cars on the streets legally uh, be able to drive great distances. I mean, the idea is to drive from, you know, California to New York 
without having the person in the car. Yeah, that's that's probably years away at the very least. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from uh, Oh Snap Dave. I like his uh, thing. He's got Max Rockatansky on there. He says, too many conflicting opinions on taking my wife's Model 3 through a car wash. What is the reasonable answer for those of us who don't have time or energy to hand wash? That's a great um, question. That's pretty straightforward. Um, touchless car wash is what I recommend. Do not take it through anything that touches the paint um, for a couple reasons. Um, number one, Tesla's paint, while it's high quality, um, California environmental laws, car, California environmental laws do not allow them or require them to use many, many less uh, volatile organic compounds, which means that the paint is on the soft side. Uh, they have to use more waterborne agents and stuff, and because it takes longer to, um, what is it, off-gas or whatever, that you end up with a paint that takes a longer time to actually physically cure. So uh, if you first get your Model 3, yeah, don't um, don't take it through um, anything other than a touchless car wash. I know some people are actually telling me, oh, well, what about the soaps? I hear they recycle the soap and they recycle the water. I said, well, it can't be any worse than some of the salt that they put on the roads here, so... Uh, that's my recommendation. Of course, if, if the temperatures are warmer and stuff, I really do recommend you use the two-bucket method. Of course, you can, you know, you can uh, Google lots of YouTube videos on that method. Um, Eric, you were going to say something? You want to throw something no, in? I was, I was, I, no, I was, I was, you said one, and I was just counting my fingers up, and then you, <laughs> left, it, you left it at one, and I'm like, all right, that's the shortest list in history. <laughs> it's funny, well, I when, I saw, when I saw that question, I'm sorry, uh, I was just going to say, I almost interpret it as like, is it safe to drive it through a car wash? And I know um, she's electric over in Scotland gets this question all the time about her leaf. Oh, aren't you going to get electrocuted, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it's an electric car. Can you actually put it in the car washes? And I'm kind of like, really? I mean, the things are designed to to go through monsoon rainstorms. Hell, there's that video of the guy in Russia swimming around in his Model S in the tunnel. Like, I mean, it's okay. No, it'll be all right. we are producing and selling highly electrified transformers that have wheels on them. So if you actually make contact with the thing when it's raining outside, yeah. anybody walking on the sidewalk is clear as dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Be nice. Yeah. Be nice. Not everybody's oh, no, educated. No, no, no. no I, I, I know, and I, I say that you know, just having fun with it. I, I know that it yeah. might not be apparent, but yeah, if you think about it logically from an engineering standpoint, with the incredible amount of of water. That the car has to deal with in real life. A car wash is no threat to it. It's, it's not going to be a problem. All right. Next question comes from uh, Darren Janes. He says, I was wondering how expensive OEM rims are for the Model 3. I take care of my own winter summer installs and always have additional winter rims. Like everyone's, I'm also craving Model Y news. Well, let's tackle the Model Y situation. We have no Model Y news. <laughs> um, Why? <laughs> Uh, hasn't been revealed yet, and if uh, things uh, hopefully still work out on Tesla's part, we may actually see the reveal sometime in March. That's the scuttlebutt that's going around, so we're keeping our fingers crossed on that one. Um, yeah, uh, Ian, of course, you want to tackle this. You're a resident uh, wheel and tire guy. Yeah, just sorry, could you throw it back up on the screen for a sec, Trevor? I want to see the exact wording of the questions, so I get yep. right here. So, how expensive... Oh, yes, I saw this question earlier today. How expensive are the OEM rims? Um... I don't actually know what the unit cost is per wheel, but I have to say overall, Tesla's been pretty reasonable on their winter packaging. So, I mean, when I look um, at the 
factory aero wheels with the Pirelli winter tires, the full package in Canada is like $2,500 or something. That gets you four wheels, four tires, the caps, the sensors, everything. So if I break it down, it means that, you know, they, they can't really be charging much over $350, $400 per wheel just for the wheels themselves. As far as OEM uh, replacement alloy prices go, that's dirt cheap. I mean, I see a lot of, I priced out, um, we're just doing a study on EV wheels at work right now, and I was pricing out, I think it was the Ionic OEM wheel, it was $800 or something like that to replace just one wheel. So, wow. you know, they're, wow. they're all, you know, I shouldn't be saying this as a guy whose life is selling wheels, but the Tesla wheels are, are generally well priced for certainly for the quality of them. Um, they're not bad at all. So if you really wanted an extra set and you wanted to go Tesla, don't feel like you're getting burned. Uh, for the OEM quality wheel, they're, I, I think they're very competitive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another question here comes from uh, Kong Kied. I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that properly. It says, with the CCS charging port, uh, part, uh, port, sorry about that, and superchargers being retrofitted with CCS cables in Europe, will the current wall connector still work with the model three now i'm assuming of course he's talking about the tesla wall connector this 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 little guy right here um i do believe it will um the reason is is uh because tesla is not in the habit of uh, retrofitting all kinds of cables and changing standards on people just because they feel like it what they're doing the superchargers is they're adding a ccs port in europe the ccs port is combined charge standard that's what it means so there's two extra dc pins on the bottom and on the top it uses the uh, type 2 uh, connector which is the standard that they use in europe um, for level 2 charging i did read somewhere, and I hate to send out this information, I, I can't be 100% sure, but I someone told me, and unfortunately I don't have the infor, uh, infor, uh, information in front of me, that the supplied UMC with the Model 3s will be a single phase. So that may affect your, uh, um, your charging speed in, in Europe. So uh, you may want to check in with Tesla to verify that. I don't know if they have that information yet. It's just information that kind of went in one ear and went out the other. So this kind of jogged my memory a little bit. So uh, if I find out more, I will let you know. But uh, just keep that in mind in Europe. That could be a bit of a, a problem for some people. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bruno Vanneker. Uh, says, uh, my question, oh, when, oh, when will standard range Model 3 finally be available? And what, and what compensation could buyers get for not getting any free supercharging nor uh, other referral advantages? Many, many thanks. Well, um, standard range Model 3, according to Tesla's website in the U.S., is still four to six months away. Um, the fact that they got rid of the referral program, yeah, well, it's gone now. So um, I don't think there's anything going on. It really sucks. Let's face it. Uh, the free supercharging was a nice little extra freebie for a lot of people, but now that it's gone, I mean, it's not just Europe. It's not, you know, Australia hasn't even come online. Neither is China. So they're certainly not going to get anything there unless they do something locally. I, I don't really know. That that really sucks because uh, it was a nice incentive, a nice little freebie to give people. So. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the standard range Model Three is still coming. Uh, still gonna, it's it's gonna happen. It's just Tesla's really got to get these uh, these costs under control and uh, really start, um, um, uh, yeah, being profitable, of course. And hopefully, we should know uh, early February when they release their uh, the financial numbers. Uh, we should definitely get some ideas to how uh, the fourth quarter went. Uh, was there anything my, else on my, this? My thinking, if I'm going to throw something out there, I Please would do. think sometime June, July of this year, I think when we'll start seeing. Yeah, that was my guess too. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I know they say four to six months, and I, I don't, I just don't see it April May timeframe. Um, I know that even like th I think back way back when to my original target window for the first production Model Three, I was originally a November, December, January timeframe, and they just kind of kept nudging it and nudging it, and nudging it, uh, to the point where I eventually took delivery of my car in April. So I, I would think for those who are still waiting, we again, my thinking is. Probably June, July is when we'll start seeing a pretty fair amount of Model 3s in standard range being delivered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone else on the list here had asked us a question. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, something about a refresh on the Model S and the Model X. I got to find it. Oh, yeah. They, I think the question the, was, uh, would it, did they think it's going to be the announcement of the Y coming out? Would uh, would coincide with coincide. Uh, Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. Yes. Yeah, it was coincided with the Model S with having both a, a battery refresh and maybe a uh, design refresh. You know, anything is possible, but when it comes to product reveals, Tesla tends to be very much focused on one car. Um, you know, the semi truck and the roadster thing being kind of the exception that was just kind of a twofer, yeah. a twofer on that one. Um, yeah, it, when it comes around to Model Y, it's going to be about Model Y. Um, the scuttlebutt going around for the Model S and the X, at least from an interior refresh, is not until at least the third quarter. Uh, once the production ramp really comes online, and hopefully Tesla really gets around to um, getting the standard range Model 3 out, they'll have some more resources available to do other things. Yeah. Um, there's going to have to be some retooling, uh, some slight retooling, of course, with the S and the X line to do any kind of revamps. Um, yes, of course, the other thing going around, of course, with the cancellation of the 75 kilowatt hour battery pack on the S and the X, of course, everybody was talking about, well, are we going to see a new battery pack? Well, that's come and gone. We still haven't seen anything yet. These things don't necessarily happen overnight. We could still see some other things um, happening. Um, the fact that they're also getting rid of the badging on those cars, meaning that they're going to go to a standard range and a long range, it basically indicates to me that eventually we're going to see some other alternative, alternative battery on mm -hmm. the S and X in due time. But it's just, a, I think in Tesla's case, you really have to look at it. What kind of resources they have available to them? They have a lot of irons in the fire right now. What's the priority? Model 3 is a priority because that's the thing that's bringing in the dollars. So, all right. Anything else you see on the list here, guys, we should talk about? Or should we just call not, it a I'm night? I'm not looking at it, so you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> All, all I know is my phone almost died today for the number of notifications from people tweeting questions <laughs> and then, and then uh, some guy named Mad Hungarian on Twitter responding <laughs> to your questions. Yeah. I yeah, think that was that guy. All, I was going to say, in all seriousness, we really appreciate you guys asking us questions. Um, I know we've certainly, uh, you know, we, we ask every week for questions. You guys really come through with them. Uh, some are questions that are really, even for us, have to put our thinking caps on because it's a very unique, in-depth question. Uh, so whether you're a novice person, just curious about how do I charge my car, uh, to the more advanced person, like, if I have this very specific wheel on this specific tire on my certain car, how is it going to perform? Um, you've got three very intelligent guys, uh, well, at least two intelligent guys, and then me, uh, <laughs> on, the, on, this, uh, on this call. Uh, you know, trying to give you the best information we can get. And and again, we, we know as much as we possibly can get. Some of the stuff we, we know is really publicly out there. Um, but and it is... Uh, it's, no, we'll just make up. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, that's convincingly. Just, you know, we'll fix it yeah. in the mix. We'll fix it in the mix. If you, say, if you say it like you know what you're talking about, they'll buy anything. It's worked for me for years. <laughs> well, I think on that note, guys, we'll, uh, we'll call it a night. Um, Ian, since you're on the screen, where can people find you if they want to chit-chat with you on the internet? 
Well, I'm not going to let everybody off this easy. Don't forget, we need one more plug on yep. uh, February 3rd. Carson Coffee! Oh, Carson Coffee. Coffee, yes. Oh, how stupid of me. No, no, no. Go, one go, more plug. Go, one more it. plug. Yes, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yes, of course. Yes, February 3rd. Sunday, February 3rd from 9 a.m. to 12 noon at Evanex. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Exactly. Super Bowl Sunday. The three of us, plus uh, uh, Michael Bodner from the Tesla Tunity channel and uh, uh, Rafael Santoni. Sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second. Tesla Tino himself will be uh, on site. So uh, in South Florida at the Evanex headquarters, I'll put a link down in the video in the podcast description. It is an RSVP event, so make sure that you use the link in the bottom to uh, make sure that you register. It looks like we have about 100 people registered now, so I think nice. we're going to have a really good turnout. We had a lot of fun last year. We're going to have even more fun this year because we're going to have a lot more cars, more stuff. Cars and coffee is always great. So I hope to, uh, to see a lot of you out there. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait to get out of this cold, let me tell you. (laughs) All right. It's just just a little chilly. You know, it's only winter in Canada. Yeah, well, I'm due for a vacation now. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm done. You're not the only one. (laughs) All right. Well, as we said before, uh, thanks for coming out and uh, listening to us. And, uh, Ian, where can people find you if they want to have a chit-chat with you on the Internet? Well, on Twitter, at Ian Pavelko, uh, with the tag Magnet Hungarian. Um, certainly on uh, Model 3 Owners Club, uh, Matt Hungarian as well. You can hit me up with any questions there. Um, private message me, anything at all. And uh, if you are looking for some fine Tesla wear, uh, as Mr. Uh, Camacho has uh, modeled for us uh, this evening, you can find that at uh, teespring.com. Just look up Matt Hungarian's Evolve wear, and uh, $6 from every one of those items gets uh, donated to um, Plug in America, Electromobility Canada, and uh, LAVEC, L'Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec. Excellent. And uh, how about you, uh, Eric? Where can people find you if they want to have a little chit chat? Sure, you guys can uh, find me on. There you go, the amazing <laughs> the master general. <laughs> yeah, you guys can uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, the handle ECFix. That is E C F I X. My Twitter count is over four hundred. I don't know how this has happened. You guys want to follow you? my? I, I, you know what? It's people want to have some deprecating humor, which is really great, considering that we've <laughs> we've had names of the show like Trevor's wrong. And all kinds of other fun stuff. <laughs> the Trevor's um, wrong thing is taking off, by the way. I saw it again. It's fantastic. Well, Nat, basically, Trevor can hardly read. So, um, <laughs> hey, uh, I, hey, I'm wearing my glasses now, so don't pick on me that, too that's much. That's with your glasses. Anyway, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys here in South Florida. Uh, we know we have a lot yes. of people who are traveling from out of the area. I mean, it's listen, I'm one of them. This is, this is going to be a cult following, a huge turnout. Um, it should be a great day in South Florida. We're going to have coffee. There's going to be some breakfast items served, like donuts and stuff. It's a fantastic event. It's very family-friendly. So please bring your neighbors, bring your kids. Uh, make sure folks register. Um, please bring your spouses. Bring anybody who's interested in learning about electric cars, even if they're not a Tesla enthusiast. I know last year we had some non-Tesla EVs at the event, just so people can see the cars. My car will be there. Michael's car will be there. Um Ian's bringing his car down, so we're going to have the what we call the MSM Collective, the Midnight Silver Metallic Club Collective. <laughs> um, so, honestly, it's a fantastic event. Please register. Uh, if you're listening to this in the podcast, go to the YouTube channel, click on the link for um, the event, and I'm sure uh, you'll see all of us tweeting links to the event as well. Please register. It's a fantastic event. We're literally, literally a matter of like about two and a half weeks away from the event uh, when we're taping the show. So register, sign up, and we'll see you there. Excellent. Well, uh, 
I'm really looking forward to it. I just want to say a big thanks uh, for, of course, my guests for joining on tonight. And as usual, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter. That's the best place to get a hold of me. Uh, the handle's at Model3Owners. And uh, don't forget to check out the Model3OwnersClub.com. That's totally free. Registration doesn't cost you anything. Membership is totally free on that. And uh, yeah, I uh, want to say a big thanks to our sponsors. That's uh, Fine Lab, uh, Dulaband Insurance, and the uh, the great guys at uh, EvanX for uh, for really helping us out on all the stuff. They guys really help pay the bills. And uh, last but not least, our Patreon sponsors. They're the guys who really uh, help uh, the show going. So, um, yeah, on that, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching and listening, no matter where you happen to be. We'll catch you on the next one, guys. Thanks. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Good night.